Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit their website at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find their broadcast with guests from all across the technology spectrum, their social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso fast, hot, and intense. And hello, this is your host, Jacqueline Sanders of Technology Expresso Radio. Thank you for joining us this evening for another episode. And we are um, continuing part of our reoccurring series with D.S. Brown. That's Derek Brown. And our series and topic of conversation is critical thinking. And we've got some new updates and looking forward to talking to Derek Brown. So I might as well go ahead and open up his uh, microphone. Hello, Derek Brown. Hello, Jacqueline. How you doing? I'm doing excellent, excellent. If ever we let a little time pass, we know for sure when we hear from you again, there's going to be something new and explosive to talk about. <laughs> And I think tonight is not going to be the exception at all. Um, I'm really excited to talk about it. Is again, this is part of a series, and I think up to this point, I, I'm I want to make sure I have the count. I think we've had three or four conversations around critical success and how it's related to critical thinking. In the meantime, you've gone back to the, uh, I could have said the typewriter, but back to the computer and have done some additional writing, and we're looking forward to a new edition. And so let's just start there and jump in, and I expect my co-host, as you all know, David Blackman will also be joining me, but he's just on a remote line, so uh, we'll just watch for him to, to jump into the conversation as well. So just so our audience knows, it's still Dave and Jacqueline, um, but I'm going to go ahead and get it kicked off with Derek, and Derek, talk to us about just what's been going on since we last had our conversation. Okay, Jacqueline, yeah, definitely, so... We know that I've always been pushing critical success, which is the planned achievement of something urgent and essential, utilizing skillful planning and judgment for the express purpose of attaining personal prosperity or prosperity in general. Critical success can be applied to a person or it can be applied to a team. The fact of the matter is that, that you're using judgment and planning and rationality in order to achieve the objective. And critical success itself was geared around trying to turn the person the individual into a holistic thinker and to think about a couple of things that keep Americans in particular and people in general who live in an advanced society away from their own personal achievement. And we call those the barriers to critical success, the mindset, things that keep people from moving forward like debt and the lack of critical thinking skills and this, this, this pursuit of profit. And when we talk about pursuing things with a passion, Americans indelibly try to pursue riches and, and monetary wealth without understanding the fact that they're wealthy already simply by being by having the benefit of being born in this country of opportunity. Though it may be difficult to achieve what you want to achieve depending upon what it is you're trying to pursue, America is without question the only place on planet Earth in all of human history where a person can get themselves educated and launch out and do whatever it is they set their mind to, no matter how charged the path or scroll. So what I decided to do was focus on that first barrier to critical success, and that was the lack of critical thinking skills. So I've been a strong proponent of it all my life. I created the methodology in order to utilize critical thinking, that's 3SE. And what I decided to do was write a book specifically on 3SE and come up with a program to accompany it so that you can focus just on how, from a simplistic standpoint, you can start to change your mindset. 
and you and I have had a couple of conversations trying to figure out how we can engage in something swiftly, something quickly, and, and utilize that in not only the corporate environment but the personal environment as well. And that's where I've taken things. The workbook that I had put together for critical success has been transformed, and it will accompany the 3 FE book. But for now, this workbook, this program manual will come out first. It's about 40, 45 pages of information focused on how any, any person, any person, can stop and think and engage themselves in critical thinking and how to step back and say, I want to be a much more rational person without completely divorcing myself from the notion and focus on how I can solve a problem and break it down into its constituent components using critical thinking. And I can internalize that approach and make that part of my everyday life. So what I've done with this book, this, this manual essentially, is laid out the truth. And that's why I call it the truth, how to become a critical thinker. You use the methodology, you use an eight-point plan, and you start to embark upon this mission of changing your mindset. The workbook focuses on you know, the individual as well as building high-performance teams and how this can work in a corporate environment or a home setting. I still have an anecdote in there around personal debt and wealth and how we manage the individual because without that, you can't build a strong team. And you will show up at work a hot mess. And we're no we're not out there to create hot messes. We're out there to create strong, forward-thinking individuals that can contribute effectively. In order to contribute at your best level, you have to be a critical thinker. So that's what this truth is about. And that is the next step, the evolution in my thinking, and hopefully an effective evolution in the process. Excellent. So looking forward to it, um, I, I, and I see everything, how it's, it's um, coming together, and, and thank you for the kind of sneak preview, and um, and that's some of what we're going to share with our audience. Um, it, one of the I want to start off with one of the uh, first quotes that I see in the book, which is, the path to wisdom is brightly illuminated by the light of perspective. So let's let's talk about let's start with perspective. Tell us where people lose their way when it comes to perspective. Well, the the fact of the matter is whether it be an argument about religion, politics, or how to solve a problem at work, especially highly achieving people tend to think their way is the right way. And as we all know, when you lean into debate, when you lean into argument, that generates conflict. What we often discount is the fact that conflict comes in two flavors. It's two-sided. It's, it's more than one dimension. It can be negative or positive. You have to try and engage in conflict in order to discern a good solution. But what you want is positive conflict, not negative. Negative is eroding. It, it comes from the standpoint of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, you're dumb, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about, and what I'm going to do is try and overtalk you. I'm going to try and outsmart you. I'm going to try and you, you use ad hominem attacks to discredit you in front of the people in the room and make everyone think you're stupid because I know I'm right. That is a total lack of perspective, and from a holistic problem-solving standpoint, it, it never really gets to the solution because without question, no one human being, man or woman, is an answer when it comes to trying to resolve a problem. So why is perspective so important? Well, if you've got three people sitting in the room and they're all very, very smart, in all likelihood, the three of them together can come up with the best answer as opposed to the one. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to apply in every situation, but odds are in most, the majority it will, because every person is a different person worth a billion possibilities. And say I'm I'm black, I'm African American. Another person is white, and they're from uh, England. And then you have someone that's Chinese from Asia. We all have different life experiences. We all have our educational backgrounds. But from a cultural perspective, we bring a different approach. We all come together to try and solve some problem. The perspective, the perspective that we bring to the problem-solving activity may lend itself to a much better solution. That's why when you become a critical thinker, you don't come to the table thinking that you always have the answer. In fact, you come to the, to the table willing to concede that your answer may be wrong, and you have to seek and internalize the perspectives of others so that the answer that you're bringing can that much more be augmented and perhaps be more correct. So if you really would grow to be a wise person, and, and that's really core to 
also in terms of critical thinking, you stop and you think and you listen. Listening is an exercise. That's part of the activity as well. Hear other people as opposed to always dominating the conversation and trying to over-talk people. You may not be right. In fact, right can't come in degrees and, and it go all the way to wrong and, and, and dumb wrong and stupid wrong and, and bottom-level wrong. If you don't have the wisdom to consider what the other person may be thinking, then you may fail altogether. And that's what we have to be careful of. That's why perspective is so important. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and so let, let's talk about even backing up a little bit, because like I said, we're we're three, four deep into um, our series about critical thinking. But just to maybe from Derek Brown perspective, and not everybody, let's say, so to speak, is born with critical thinking skills. And as a matter of fact, I've even seen articles that it can't be taught. You know, there's that, that conversation. But I want to see from your perspective, how when was it that it either you had your revelation or it dawned upon you or you really had the self-awareness? Was it an event? Was it something you heard or read? What was it that helped you to, I, I, I dare say, because some people go a whole lifetime not really being able to, in some ways, step out of yourself and really think critically. Um, we just get stuck in our own patterns and our, our own mindset and um, just kind of that single-mindedness. We assume that our experience is the experience. It's the truth. Um, but what, what was it for you? And, and was it a, a certain age? What was it that for you, really, you started hearing about this critical thinking and it started resonating with you? <laughs> that that's a good one because it it really does come down to you know in, in my mind the power of repetition in order to drive towards perfection. It was there was no one thing. What I had uh, was a string of failures on top of some successes, and in order to try and come up with something else that was going to work well for me, I dug deep and said, what things make sense to me in order to make my life better? And if I do this for myself, is this something that I can share with others? And that's where the Critical Success Program came from, and the two rules of three, 3FE and 3POP. So 3FE was part of another approach to how to live my life. And, Jacqueline, you've heard me say before time and again, I'm as, as others are, I'm a much better teacher than I am a doer. I mean, I teach focus and I'm piss poor at it. It's something that I know I'm going to be working on for the rest of my life. I take on way too much, and I have to constantly take every week is an exercise in limiting what I engage in. Let's just say that. But in order to get to a state where I knew I was no longer, um, I would say, a neophyte, but I'm always an aspiring critical thinker, I took it upon myself to try and come up with this methodology that would not only help me solve problems, but look good to other people. And in so doing that, it's kind of funny because I was chasing a dream of trying to be a successful problem-solving writer, and I wanted to make sure that my thesis had value, so I started using my methodology. I started examining it from different perspectives and sharing it with people, not to a large degree, but I wanted to see if I could train my mind. So, again, it, it, and that's where it gets it gets it gets real and, and amusing at the same time. There was no one seminal event. It was comical. I'd go into work, and, well, how can I do 3FE today? And I need to train my mind to do 3FE. And just like with anything, and this is the realization with real critical thinking, it takes work, it takes exercise. In order to get yourself to a point of essential critical cognition, you have to be able to engage in repetition and do the thing over and over again and understand that just like an athlete trains his body, you must train your mind. You must read other bits of information. You must pull in different pieces of data. You must learn to relate data in order to divine different solutions and write them down and make them make sense and, and train yourself to say that this may be good, but could it be better? And continue to question yourself and then don't get caught up in analysis paralysis but find yourself at a point of achievement where you say, I'm going to try this because if I execute it, it may do something good. It may work. It may not. But up to this point, all the data points to something successful. And over time, I got better and better at it to the point where now I do 3FE in my head on anything that just comes my way. In my conversations, I break problems down specifically by how I utilize the tool. And I grew to it. Over a number of years, I grew to it. 
And that's how I got to a point of thinking, well, I think I have some credibility. You know, when I go and I read other books on critical thinking or I go to criticalthinking.org, and, you know, to, to be sure, I am not a scholar and I am no genius. And those folks are like years ahead of me in the thinking process. But, again, I wasn't trying to make that my wheelhouse. I, I wouldn't say that I am an academic professorial type person in this. What I am is, in my terms, an expert for the masses, for the everyday person. I've evolved myself to the point over time where I know how to use a tool and I know how to solve problems. And I got to that a couple of years back, and I said, okay, after years of thinking about this, I know this works. And I know it because of repetition, problem after problem after problem, trying to solve and resolve using this tool in my head. It gets to the point where the people that I work with, a few can recognize what I'm doing. Some like it, some don't. But at the end of the day, the results can't be argued with. We, we get to solutions. And that's kind of how it grew, you know. So, again, it wasn't one day I woke up with a revelation or I was caught in, in one thing, and after that I was like, I've got it. This is what I need to write. You know, that does happen. It, it happens for others. But in this instance, for me on this thing, that's not how it came about. It truly was exactly what it should be, work. Work, repetition over time, do it again and again and again until it makes sense and you can repeat it back to others and prove that it works. Throw a problem out. Let's see if we can't figure it out. Break it down. Look at the data points. Look at how they relate. Does a path of progression make sense? Put the plan down, write it, go over it. Do we all agree? Okay, execute. Done. <laughs> uh, and I like, uh, it's one of the things that I pulled out from what you said is that you're an expert for the masses. And, and you know, two things about that. You know, you, you can get up into the theoretical and so on and so forth, and I see those type of things going back and forth over the Internet and various articles and books that I see. But it takes, even in and of itself, a talent to break things down for people, especially something that is kind of a foreign concept. And, and believe it or not, people grapple somewhat with critical thinking. When you tell them you need to stop and think, they're probably thinking to myself, I, I never stopped thinking, so why do I have to stop and think, you know? So e even that is something that you have to help people to come around to. And so said just illustrated just how you break things down. When you related it to an athlete and how they have to train their body, their muscles, um, you see through repetition them conditioning themselves to get their muscles used to certain activity and endurance and, and that type of thing until it becomes natural. That's the same with training your mind. And, and just that, you know, one statement is very powerful and resonate and will touch someone that's listening to us tonight. So um, I, th that I thought was, you know, just a, a fine illustration of what you're saying and, and what you're, you know, why you pursued writing it down and then in your own way, you know, um, practicing it, honing the skill. And I think because you are um, living and evolving with it, that's why you can, for example, you, you come back, you do this new edition based on some of your experiences, um, some of even whether it's feedback, and just, just even in practice, whether you're practicing it at home, at work, um, through all your many endeavors, which is, there are many, <laughs> as you mentioned, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the, you, you know, practicing that, that is going into the new edition. And and let me, let me ask that. Let me um, take that into a question. So tell us, and, and I know that you've touched upon it a little bit, but as you are writing, I understand writing in itself, you have certain discoveries and revelations and and that's where the rewrites and come in and sometimes even writing you can get into paralysis um because you're you're going through kind of a, a discovery process what would you say stands out to you as you were rewriting this when you look at the first edition and now the second edition what what really resonated with you as an author that maybe that over time has brought you to write it differently 
what really resonated with me was how focused I was in that first book and that first workbook on a specific problem. And I introduced a tool that had a holistic approach to problem solving for the everyday person. But I don't, I did not provide the, the background, the means, or the basis in order to effectively use what was being offered in one of the places where we spend the most time of our lives. You know, it's just job, you know, eight to ten hours a day. Some folks could read Critical Success and discern, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, that, that first married achieving Critical Success, he, he's talking about utilizing 3FE, but it's, it's, it's couched in a bunch of other stuff where you would still need critical thinking skills, but you're focused on trying to avoid, you know, get-rich-quick schemes, managing your debt, being a better person for how you can manage the income that comes in, the cash flow that you got to maintain, get your balance sheet better looking so you can try and do whatever it is you want to do, whether that's – and, you know, and then that ties back to the other to the other rule of three from the first book, three pop, the three principles of prosperity, which is, you know, um, real estate, capital markets, and entrepreneurship. Uh, I always push, as an American, it is incumbent upon you to try all three, whether you can or can't. What we know we can do is if we have a job, we can invest in the capital markets. You can get yourself some stocks, yourself some mutual funds. You can do these things because that's where real wealth is generated. And you do yourself a disservice when you're in a paycheck and you're not putting your money to work for you. You put it all in a, in a pillow or in a CD or a savings bond or something as ridiculous and asinine as that. It's unfortunate that many of us do that because we have a fear of the unknown. Or you can invest in real estate, and many of us think that investing in real estate is owning our home, and that's a good thing, but it's not an investment. It's where you live. And sometimes people have done things like borrow against their home in order to do whatever else it is they're going to try to do. And for the majority of us, that's a mistake because we don't have the skill set or the mentality or the approach and discipline to borrow money out of where we live and do something successful with it. Invariably, we may fail and lose the home, and that's an application of critical thinking. And then the third one for three pop is entrepreneurship, start a business. There are those of us that are business minded and there are those of us that are not. If you have the itch, you owe it to yourself to scratch, but scratch within reason. So, see, I look at all of those things in the first book and I said, you know what, even if I'm telling people to do that, that three pop rule, I don't have enough energy and focus in that first rule, which is 3FE. I need to clarify that because, as you recall, Jack, when we had a conversation and part of me was feeling, I got it all covered in that, in that first workbook, right? I go back and look at it, and I'm totally wrong. I'm totally wrong. There is no emphasis. There's no strength on how to truly become a critical thinker where you could leverage that second rule of three and say, okay, I'm going to try all three of these activities, and I have the ability to discern and make choices that make sense for me or for me and my family where I won't be so aggressive and passionate and risk-free that, you know, I will toss myself to the wind and make a bad call and wind up in bankruptcy. What I can do is, and what, this is what I said personally to myself, what I can do is change this material appropriately so after someone goes through this, they can start the work of exercise. They can start the training, you know, and I, and I give real examples in the book that says, here, try this. You have an eight-point plan to engage in it. Stopping and thinking is not a trite thing. If you do this over the course of several months, everything that comes to you, you will find that you listen, and you're listening when you're stopping and thinking, and you're foregoing what most of us normally do here in America is, or just around the world because humans, we think very fast, and if we're educated, we always prepare for it with an answer. We don't hear what the other person is saying, because we're excited about what we're going to say next. So, you know, in all likelihood, we totally miss it. And when we miss it, that's the perspective that we have not internalized. And if we have not internalized that perspective, then we know we're not being wise about the choices we're trying to make. And that's where it really comes down to it. That was the evolution for me, to try and put together something that accrues in wisdom and allows the person to actually focus on that first barrier to critical success and say, okay, this isn't something from academia some high-minded philosophical approach. This dude is coming at me with elementary school topics. That's, that's, at the end of the day, that's what we're pushing. We're pushing elementary school so that you can engage in it at a point where you, at whatever level you are, can stop and say, okay, 
I'm going to try and engage in this thing, but these are the things that I need to think about in order to move forward. We don't do that in general at all. We live most of our lives being reactionary instead of taking action based upon informed information and, and, and data that's empirical and, and makes sense so that we can decide, so we can decide, make the best decision possible. That was where I got to with the book. And I mean, and it's kind of funny. I know I can get along with it. We all know that. But that really was the evolution of how I arrived at where I am with what you've got now. Absolutely, absolutely. So the, uh, I'm really looking forward to, a, as you finish this product, this one comes out, The Truth, How to Become a Critical Thinker by, um, and we're talking with D.S. Brown right now, but I'm not going to do all the talking. Um, actually, I'm going to open up the mic and um, let my co-host, David, jump Hello. right on in. Hi. Hello. Welcome again, Derek Brown. Thank you. Hello, Thank you, me? David. Glad to be here as always. Yes, yes. I don't know if everyone knows, but Mr. Brown was one of the first guests on our show when we created Blog Talk Radio Cafe back in 2013. Um, and back then, he spoke eloquently on uh, his model, the 3FE model, which is find, focus, establish the fundamentals, and to execute. And he detailed that very well. So if you go out and search on Blog Talk Radio, search for Mr. Derek Brown, and the list of shows he's been on several times. So go out there, listen, and get educated on the 3FE model, and hear um, you establish an eight-point plan. Of course, everyone, uh, we're fortunate to get an excerpt of his workbook so we can, uh, 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 you know, go into that detail. So without giving away all the goodies that you've established and all the nuggets in your manual here, can you speak a little bit about your eight-point plan, please? I most certainly can. And you guys know for me it's really about the mission, so let's get some nuggets away. I ain't worried about it. So step one, we talk about stopping and thinking. And, again, it's not a trite thing. You engage in a problem, you're at work, you're in the middle of something. What ideally works best, especially among high-performing teams, is everyone is giving whatever the issue is due consideration. We're giving the respect it deserves, not only to the problem itself, but to the people engaged. We leave our attitudes at the door, and we really try to pay attention to what's being put down on the table. And that applies to any given situation. And you can do this within seconds, all milliseconds of a time frame. It's incumbent upon us to realize just how powerful our brains are, our minds, when, when they work at their best, when they work efficiently. If you enter into something and you say, the first thing I want to do is try to understand it to the best of my ability, that is you trying to utilize and, and internalize essential critical cognition. There's something going on. I want to understand it. So before I open my mouth, before you even speak, I may ask you to repeat it. I may want to read it one more time. I may want to just not answer yet, stew it over in my mind a little bit. That is what we don't do enough of, and that is step one in the critical thinking's eight-point plan. Stop and think about the thing. Really let your mind mull it over. And, again, sometimes this happens in the minutest of moments. And just as in any given athlete and any athletic endeavor, the more you do it, the more you exercise it, the better off you'll be with it. You, can, you will learn to do this rather quickly. Someone will say something to you, and in a couple of blinks of an eye, after you've mulled it over in your mind, you decide to move to point two, understand the real truth of what the problem is. So we say step two is to know the truth. is because we often engage in these dialogues and we start to make assumptions. And that is a direct blockage to really solving a problem and utilizing critical thinking because critical thinking is based on opinion, yes, and it comes from opinion, yes, but the opinion should be substantiated by facts, and that is the very core of the foundation of critical thinking. It's empirical data. It's what's real. It's not how you feel about a thing. How you feel about a thing can jade your opinion, and it may be important. It may need to be considered. It may be involved in the actual solution, but you must never try to escape the fact that whatever the thing is, it's that thing, the truth of it. Often enough, when we problem solve or engage in debate and dialogue, we try to change the facts. We try to turn it around and make it into something else. And that's where the power of perspective comes into play because 
especially if I'm an ideologue about a certain thing, I need everybody to see it my way. It's not the truth. You need to know what the truth is without the value of your opinion. Once you understand that, then maybe you can color it a little bit and put your opinion on it. But, of course, that leads you to step three, look in the mirror and paint your picture. Who are you when you're engaging in this problem-solving issue? How are you coming to the table? Have you left your attitude at the door? If you're going to become an aspiring critical thinker, you have to look in the mirror and understand who you are when you show up. Who are you when you show up? Often enough, we don't do this exercise. We show up and we think we're ready. We're ready to solve the problem. We know what the answer is. The person that I'm trying to work with on the second floor is actually an idiot, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to fix it my damn self. And, you know, after that, I'm going to tell everybody how I did it and how that person has zero value. Okay, so you guys didn't like how I did that? I tell you what, I'm smarter than everybody else in the company. And what I'm going to do is quit. And see, after I quit, you guys are going to see just how bad are you off without me because, see, I'm just that special. See, this is a person who doesn't know the truth and they're not looking in the mirror. They don't understand their own value or their own worth or the fact that if they leave today, they'll just be gone. Tomorrow will still arrive and the company moves on. And that leads us to step four. If you behave that way or if you're trying to become a critical thinker and you harbor some of these attitudes or perspectives, you have to isolate and identify the flaws. You've got to know the truth about yourself. Write your flaws down. Write that you have a bad attitude when you engage with two or three other people on the team. Write that stuff down. If you want to become a critical thinker and part of a high-performing team, then you have to know the painful truth about yourself, see who you are, Think about the thing that you're engaging in, and if you have any flaws within your own character or your own approach or what it is within the problem that you can identify, write those things down. And that gives you a basis, a foundation for actually going into the problem-solving endeavor. So that takes us to step five. Use the tool. Find, focus, establish the fundamentals, and execute. And when we talk about the powerful methodology that's employed through 3FE, we break it down again to an elementary school level, something that we've all used. And it comes up time and time again. But because we don't exercise it enough, we don't utilize it enough when we find ourselves in front of some of the most complex problems. What, when, where, how, and why? 3FE internalizes that as its core problem-solving methodology. Do that for everything. If there is a complex problem, look at it and try and break it up into its constituent components by using that questioning exercise. What is it? Why is it? Who is it for? When does it need to be done? Where does it have to be done? And how will we get it done? And let's all of us weigh in on that and figure out what thing works best. So once you've done the 3FE exercise and it carries you through this mental process of mental elocution and, and clarification, then you know before you get to the E that because the data points kind of give rise to a path forward, that you can take and, trans, and translate into a plan, get your Microsoft Project schedule thing out or whatnot or your, your one piece of paper or your spreadsheet, you've got a plan you can execute. So step six is know the clear discipline of effective execution. And the reason we have to emphasize that is because especially for those of us that work in a world, whether it's technology or something else related, when you have a project plan, we all have issues with effective execution. It becomes a problem. If you have people on the team that come to the table with bad attitudes, or they behave in a certain manner that's not conducive to success, then your execution is flawed. It's not effective. You have to, as a contributing individual, be accountable to yourself and to your teammates. And if one of you is following this eight-point plan, then you can socialize that message and try and hold everybody else accountable for the same level of rigor. That means when we execute, we execute well. And it becomes real simple when you have the process in place. These are 15 things. We need to do to solve the problem. We, we figured that out from 3FE. We're not going to make this hard. The rigor is simple. Do 1 through 15. Do 1 through 15. Don't do 4.8 or 4.5 or 4A, or don't come to the table with a nasty attitude about how difficult the thing is. You're assigned number four. If you cannot do number four, then we need to find someone else who can do number four for you. And, of course, if that person has that attitude and they're not really trying to contribute to the team, then we do what's, what is necessary because, of course, discipline has repercussions. So that's step six. Know that for yourself and socialize that in whatever it is you're trying to do. And that takes us to step seven. Why do we fall so we can get back up again? Step seven internalizes the rule of failure. And the rule of failure, of course, they say you will fail. 
and a lesson and understanding of where you will fail is how you manage failure and get yourself back up again in order to launch back out. Now, if you take this eight-point plan and you focus on it and you come to understand what step seven really means, then the more you do this, the more you are able to manage those failures, whether they are minute, small, or large, and you will be able to develop plans with your team where failure is completely minimized. There will be issues. There will be hard bumps in the road. But the better all you are at this process, the more you minimize step seven to nil. Never gets to zero. There are some people who believe that they can execute fundamental plans with no failure. This is a lie. There are no things under the sun that get done without some stumble and fall. That's just how it is. And I would challenge anyone to show me different. Step eight is walking into the clear, and it really does state what it implies. After you've gone through all these seven steps with the level of rigor that's necessary, and you really consider it, at the end of the day, you're done. You've walked into the clear. And what you should do in step eight is take a moment to savor it, to look back at what was accomplished, assess what could have been done differently, write down your successes, clarify the things that gave you some challenges, and make note of them so you don't fall into them again. Recognize that being in the clear means that you and your team, you've arrived and you can take note of it and you can celebrate it, but you do it with a sense of understanding that for the rest of our lives, we will do it this way. And what we must do is look back a bit and assess what was done so that on the next go around, things are that much more easier. That's what it means to truly be in the clear. At this point, you have an aspiring critical thinker's mind, and any problem you engage in comes from that critical perspective. We take everything into account. That's what we do when we walk into the clear. And that's it. That's your eight-point plan. That's fascinating. Thank you and it so was much. good, uh, Derek, as you went through this, to see the 3FE model, a subset of this critical thinking methodology. That was good to hear. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I want to share with our audience, we don't often uh, say this enough, but Derek Brown is a guest speaker. He's been a keynote speaker, a workshop leader. Um, I've seen him in action when he's done one-on-ones. Our, our boot camp uh, two years, I think, I think it was going on two years ago, uh, there was a line outside his door. <laughs> So he is in demand, and this wisdom that he's sharing and that's in this book, absolutely want you to go out, get the book, um, especially the latest edition when it's out, when it comes out, as soon as it comes out. But at the same time, you can do a face-to-face with him, or you can invite him to your workplace. Maybe your whole team needs to hear this all at the same time. It's about, and, and I heard a quote, quote we, recently that um, people listen not to hear what the other person is saying. They listen, and at the same, at the all at the same time, they're thinking what their response is. So they're only listening long enough so that they can start building up with their response or uh, how they're going to, like you say, kind of out talk the next person. And that's something that has become a culture. It's become bad habit. Um, and it's something that everyone needs to stop and take a step back and think, you know, the, the first person you've got to critically evaluate is yourself um, and really be honest with yourself. So I like, you know, the fact that even you call the book the truth. Part of the truth is is being truthful with yourself, about yourself, about some of your bad habits, even bad traditions things that have been handed down through the family. It's accepted throughout the family for generations, but now it's time to stop for a minute and see that we need to work on these these areas. So um, maybe you can even share with us, Derek, about uh, about a moment where you were working or talking or speaking to a, a group, and um, I know how people come up to you and share with you or, or see you later on and share with you how something you've said or um, something they've read in your book has impacted them. Can you give us one of those uh, one of those nuggets of, of success? Yeah, I certainly can. Um, and, and as you know, it, it's often it's funny. Sometimes it's happened, and I didn't know it happened. You know, so I, I've, I've thrown it out there. And someone came back and said, I tried that thing, and it worked out just the way you said. 
and that's also part of where the evolution of the material came from, right? I, you, know, you and I were talking about this, and I, and I realized I hadn't done enough. So I'll, I'll talk about one person in particular. I won't, I won't name them. Um, but when I say, you know, I do this series called Lots of Job, and, and, and the funny thing about Lots of Job is it's an application of critical thinking skills, too. And just like with anything else, I apply 3FE to it. And I was talking to this young lady, and she kept telling me how she just she really wasn't able to lock the job. Well, part of the lock the job process, as you know, is I tell folks to critically think about who they are, you know, the, the problem at hand, which is I need a job. In fact, in the book, that is one of the examples that we actually use as a chapter on it. How do you lock the job? And, of course, as you know me, Jacqueline, there's a book that will follow that, too. I couldn't help it. But this young lady was just trying things. You know, she'd throw a resume together. She'd gone through several rounds of interviews, and she just she just couldn't close the deal. So I asked her to stop and think, well, what are you doing? And that, you know, really at the first part of the eight-point plan, back then, you know, part of critical success, a ten-point plan, at both the, at the same starting point, I asked her, did she start to think about what she was doing? And she said, yeah, I'm following the instructions that were given to me by the school. I put my resume together. You know, I've got a presence out there on LinkedIn. You know, I got cards. And, you know, I think I interviewed rather decently. So I can't understand why I can't, you know, lock the job. I'm doing everything that everybody else is doing. So I told her to stop and think about what she just said. She said, well, what do you mean? Well, you said you're doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. So, yeah. Well, don't you find that a bit odd? No. It's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Well, yeah, I, I guess so. If you want to keep going on interviews, but if you want a lot of job, you need to give the person who's interviewing you a compelling reason why. You've gone through four or five rounds of interviews, and you're not stopping to think about why that's occurring. You know, just, just stop and think about it. Now, this is really critical thinking in action. What's happening? Why? Who's engaged in the activity? When does this occur and at what level of frequency? And how are you going to change it? Literally, how are you going to change it? So when she starts to think about it and we talk about it, and this does not take long, you know, she realizes, well, okay, none of us stood out. We're all doing the same thing. Well, exactly. And the people who are interviewing you, panel, individual, and otherwise, they're having a real hard time choosing between those of you who are going through the interview cycle. What that means is all of you are branded very well because you keep getting invited back, but none of you are the standout candidate. I mean, at the end of the day, none of you will really know, except for the person who got the job, and they might not know that full detail, whether or not the folks got in the room and tossed the coin. <laughs> They're all the same. Pick one. It's just not how you want a lot of job. So what was really good to me was, she came back later after we had that conversation, and I spoke to her about differentiating herself, not even all the stuff that I do, just how are you going to approach the interview process to make yourself look different and stand out appropriately? And it just was one interview session later, she came back and said, I did what you told me to do. I thought about it, and I changed a couple of things, and that made all the difference in the world. I got the job after one interview. I was like, wow, that, that, that was uplifting for me. That made my day. That and and I, I can't get any higher praise than that than to know that someone in a casual conversation. I mean, we didn't even get that deep, right? You know, but in a casual conversation after the fact, you know, of me talking about some of these things, she internalized that and she went and she made some changes in how she was going to approach the activity, and it worked. It worked just fine. I wish I had recorded her. Well, you, as you know, I wish I'd have recorded a lot of these things that I've gotten engaged in with people. But, again, that's, that's not the point anyway. The mission is to make sure that whatever it is I'm providing, not fully altruistic because, you know, man, you've got to live and i got to get paid for some of this, but, you know, it really does fulfill me to know that when I put the information out there and folks internalize and put it to good use, that it really does something worthwhile. And that anecdote right there, and, and there have been a few others like that, that was really impactful on my own, my soul, my psyche that she was able to step into a new opportunity, a new salary, and she said, you know, this was because of you. Now, of course, we know that that's really not the truth. You know, she went to school. She built up skills. What 
I did was I gave her a tool to change how the world views everything she worked so hard to build. And that is important. I won't take anything away from that for myself. But at the end of the day, all I did was help her value herself better and explain that to others. And that is what critical thinking can do for anyone. Think about how I am expressing myself to get engaged and do whatever it is I need to do to be successful. Absolutely, absolutely. And and kudos to her and kudos to you because it's so important. Um, you gave her that little nugget, but that, you know, she took it in digested and she applied it and then she saw the results and that's so important um and and it's so you know people sometimes when people are giving you feedback uh sometimes you have that filter or that block on and the, the information can be right there but you've got to be a good receiver you know when they talk about and I know Derek you just as I do get approached by people that say be can you be my mentor you've got to be a good mentee because sometimes just a simple statement as 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 plain and simple as it may sound is the nugget of truth that you just have to apply um just to to see a breakthrough and so that that's so important and I know that that had to be a, a great feeling for you as as well you know, I, I look at our time, and our time just is, it, it just flies. And this is why we went to the series approach. So talk about trying something different. We went to the series approach because there's there's so many other topics that I really want to dive into. And as I look at just some of the 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 topics uh, and how you kind of sliced and diced and applied critical thinking, one of the the, the topics in the new. Uh, book is being a leader of self. We, I want to talk about that on a future show. Um, talk about helping high-performing teams, and and that's an area too. Speaking to managers and project managers that struggle in this area that we know so well: uh, technology, software development, hardware development. Um, companies are really struggling with that right now, and how can they? get high-performing teams, get them all on the same page. I, I, I'm thinking a workshop, have Derek Brown come out and, and talk you through how to create those high-performing team thinking. Um, diversity. Diversity is a, a topic that you, you cover. Trust has to be implicit, accountability explicit. So that that's a mouthful, and and I, I, we really need to peel that back um, and, and talk about that more. Um, how to become this critical thinking person, you, you know, asking yourself, how do you become that? How do you evolve into that? And one of the things um, that I've also seen kind of swirl around and, and people struggle with is you have critical thinking and creative thinking. And sometimes people um, have been, been, been taught either your right brain or your left brain. And something, and, and Derek, you and I both know, you know, people with great creativity, but they can't get it past it just being a hobby to getting it to a point where they can make it uh, viable and monetize it, but yet they struggle and we, we see them at the various e events. You know, that that's a whole area that I'd like to, to dive into. And and do you think, I mean, what, what's your thought as far as in, in, in the time that we have we're, for people who really struggle, if you come from a creative perspective, how do, you know, uh, other than picking up your book, number one, of course, but what other mm -hmm. um, advice do you do you have for them if, if they're finding some frustrations in that area? And, and I'll break this down to something that's really simple. And, yeah, it does tie back to the tool, but without the book and without, you know, express. Uh, access to the tool, folks won't be able to do it, but that'll come later. In the meantime, what I tell folks is, first off, stop and think. And again, I'm not being trite. So we can't fault the science. We can't doubt its existence or its merit. Some people tend towards one side of the brain or the other, and research has shown that folks who have tended to be in one of those other, in one category or the other, they tend to exhibit tendencies towards whether you be more rational or you be more creative, whether you be more textual, contextual, 
or you are more rigid and you're, you're focused on the numbers of a thing. What I tell folks, and, you know, I, I, I'll say it over and over again, and it's implicit in how you utilize the tool, grab pen and paper and look at yourself. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy thing. What I'm saying is most folks don't try. They don't do that. So if you're saying you have a hard time being creative because you're a numbers person, then write that down. And I'm 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 not being funny about that. I'm serious. Write that down. And start to diagnose yourself, really. Diagnose the diagnose the mental machine. You know, people can rail against what they tend towards. It's it's work. But if you want it bad enough, you have to do it. Everyone isn't built to run. But, you know, if that's what you want to do and you have two legs to do it, you can train. You can train. You can get up every day, put some shoes on, and go out there and try and go further mile by mile by mile. Repetition leads to perfection. Makes work. So if you're a creative person and you don't do good with numbers, write that down and recognize yourself and figure out what is the thing you want to do. You say, I want to be better, better at handling my checkbook. Well, then say, I want to be better at handling my checkbook and write that down. And then go grab yourself a computer. You don't need, I, I would say go do it in the library because, as you know, I'm fond of books, and the library itself tends towards a, 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 a subtle enrichment of the mental faculty. Go in there and Google how do you balance a checkbook. <laughs> I mean, print that crap out and say, these are the instructions for making my finances better. You may hate it. You may not really like it at all. That's because clearly you have a tendency towards something else. But see, if you do it over and over and over again, then that, 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 the dregs of that drag become easier, and it doesn't become such a drag. That's how you tend towards the things outside of your innate self, the things that you don't necessarily have an affinity for. You work at it. And you work at it by stopping to consider it, and you figure out exactly what are the things you have to do in order to become better at it. Now, you may never become highly proficient, but at the very least, you know what you can and can't do. That's how you drive yourself outside of what is what you have the affinity for. If I'm an artistic kind of person and I want to stay away from technology, I say this to folks all the time when we talk about steam, you know, you're an artist, but you want to try to avoid numbers and machinery and all that. You can't. Not in this society. You can. So you need to first recognize your own truth, think about it, and figure out how you can become comfortable with the thing that you're not comfortable with. And, again, back to what you were asking, if you want to become comfortable at it, then you need to write down pen and paper. Pen and paper, what is the thing you need to do to be better at it? I need to sign 40 minutes a day. I'm not going to do a whole lot. I'll do 40 minutes to just become familiar with how a computer works. And I'm going back to painting because that's where my heart is, you know. Practice makes perfect. I'm going to be painting six to eight hours a day. Well, for the 40 minutes after, I'll be Googling artists from the Impressionist era so that when I'm talking about my craft, I can really talk about my craft. See, all of these things are holistic. So, if you really do try and force yourself into an area and space that you're not comfortable, you make yourself better. That's a whole part of the exercise of becoming an aspiring critical thinker, to be as holistic as you possibly can be. And you have to recognize the fact that if you do embrace this, then this is your state of mind until the day you die. And in that, you embrace wisdom. We should die learning, always. And when you are learning to be outside of your comfort zone, to rail against that which you have an actual affinity for, you are growing to become a better you. And that is what I would tell people who say, well, how do I, if I really want it, and you should, you should figure out a way to want it, how do I become this person that I'm naturally not? I'm an, in, I'm an introvert. I can't stand speaking. Okay, write it down, figure out what you would like to say, and then go stand in front of a crowd and say it. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. And, and, and um, I, I, you know, Without interrupting you, I, I could have said amen so many times to, to so much of what you said. And um, even, you know, a, a, a way that I even discipline myself, and I've said this to others, is at least once a day I do something that I don't like doing. 
And a lot of times, just put it first, get it over with, and then I get to do the fun stuff. But there, no matter what career, and you know I've said many times, I love my career, I love what I do, but there are parts of it I can't stand at the same time. And there's just some of it may be around whether it's expense reports. That's my kryptonite. Uh, you know, that, that that's, that's one that I can't stand doing expense reports. However, come <laughs> it's got to be done, especially if I want to get reimbursed. So, um, and usually I'm on a strict time limit, you know, two weeks or, you know, accounting's coming after me and TC, my manager. So with that motivation, I'm like, get it out of the way. Don't wait to the last minute. It just makes it more painful. So everyone has has that thing, whatever it is, and sometimes that thing's a person that you work with. Whatever it is, you know, sometimes you just deal with it, and, you know, because prolonging it, it you know, is actually uh, just dragging it out because in your mind you can build it up to be so much worse. So, so that's one perspective. But that said, David, I also want to give you a couple of minutes to see if there's anything else you want to interject or jump in on. Uh, as our time winds down. Absolutely, absolutely. And as you were saying that, Jacqueline, all I could think of is that moniker that we've used time and time again ever since we've met Mr. Brown, um, what he shared with us, lean into your discomfort. I use that, and we use that time and time again. And it, it's, it's, always, it's always been so relevant, and it will always be relevant from here throughout the rest of the year and throughout everyone's future, I believe. And there's one thing that I, I, that's really resonating with me as I look through this workbook, Derek, and um, it's, it's just jumping out at me. It's, it's begging me to say it. So I want to put this out there as far as the hallmarks of the critical thinker is the sincere ability to seek to internalize the perspectives of others, most especially when that perspective is diametrically or even violently opposed to their own. That's really profound, and that really resonated with me, and I think that's something that really speaks to itself. Absolutely. So, so many nuggets on tonight's show. I I'm, know we've had um, some our audience out here as far as area code 281. Thank you for joining us. And to those others out there, please stay tuned for our continuing series with Derek Brown. We do this once a month. He has been diligent and faithful um, to, to be there for us, to provide this for us. Derek, we are looking forward to the book release. Now, this is the hardest question of the night, bar none. When do we think the book is going to be ready for us, the new edition? <laughs> Give me two more weeks. Literally, two more okay. weeks to okay. finish, edit, and print. Okay, if we don't see Excellent. it in two weeks, it's Excellent. going out on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Get your black market edition right here at Tech Express Up. Well, nonetheless, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, again, Thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for supporting Technology Expresso. And also support Atlanta BDPA. Uh, Derek Brown is the president and been the leadership of Atlanta BDPA, bringing innovative ideas and also sharing his wisdom at all of their various events. Look for him. Tell him you heard him on Technology Expresso Radio. Um, and also Follow him out on Twitter. Derek, would you share your, your handles with our audience? Go out there to meet D.S. Brown, and you've got me. Excellent, excellent. Well, again, thank you. A great episode, great show. And as always, we remind you, uh, David, this is your line. I'll, I'll give this the, the last line to you. Oh, no. Just play the recording. <laughs> okay, we'll go to the recording. Well, thank you, everyone, and have a good evening. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com for a full list of broadcast archives, social media handles, and upcoming shows. Keep up with Technology Expresso while on the go by texting the word LAUNCH to 
41411. That's texting the word LAUNCH to 41411. Thanks again, everyone. And remember, listen, learn, leverage, launch. Thank you.